depression, frustration, anxiety, pain, disillusion. It's just a natural part of the process of becoming a stronger version of yourself. Hello humans, welcome to the M Word, the Manx Sports Podcast brought to you by Martin. That's me. And Matt. That's him. Hello Matthew. Hello Martin. It's weird. Far away. Yeah, I say it's weird talking to you through a through a um, laptop now. The uh, isolation episode to steal yeah. off everyone else. Uh, we're also joined on the line by Rich Sale. Hi, Rich. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very good. <laughs> so, so we uh, well, first of all, let's just uh, first of all, it's it's a bizarre time in the world, really, isn't it? Ultimately, but first of all, let's let's just quickly, or, or let me just thank our sponsors, Billboards.im. Uh, digital advertising, you might see them around town should you be out and about nowadays, which you won't be too much, but I, I know the guys have recently been helping local businesses uh, who have been sort of hit with the, the, the uh, pandemic that's going on and, and are having problems and they've offered some free help. So just like they're helping ourselves, they're, they're good guys, so get in touch with them and that's billboards.am. I'm sure they can, they can help uh, you in these, in these difficult times. So today is the 25th, recording this on the 25th of March. Uh, as I mentioned at the outset there, we're joined by Rich, who was on episode four of the podcast where we talked. We were obviously very much in a, in a sports psychology uh, chat uh, that, that was uh, very interesting. We got a lot of great feedback, and, mm-hmm. and I know Rich did as well uh, about that. And what, what we thought with, uh, as we stand today, certainly now a man, we're kind of going into lockdown today uh, with, the, with the virus, and there's a lot of stress I guess, uh, pressure, anxiety, isolation, no routine, health issues, mental health, well-being, people working from home, which then kind of bleeds into kind of, I use the word panic buying, people certainly at the weekend just in the UK where they were told to stay at home, people then going out into the country and the countryside flooded with people. Uh, and there seems to be an element of, of fear in, in uh, around in certain areas. And I guess a lot of this is, obviously because of what's going on, but ultimately rooted in psychology. So that was where we thought it was an opportunity to maybe bring some perspective to what's going on in all most of our brains or all of our brains around what, what's happening and why we feel like this to, to perhaps give us all a little insight to go, to, to maybe take a step back at times and go, this is why I feel like this. I don't need to feel like this. How can I control this this fear or this anxiety or help, or help work through it? So obviously, when it comes to comes to that subject matter, that's why we immediately thought of Rich and getting getting Rich involved. So again, thanks for thanks for spending a bit of time with us on on Zoom, Rich. No, thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, glad glad you guys are well, and hope all your listeners are well too. Thank you. So maybe just to kick off, like say that the kind of lockdown ha- happened today, just a very I guess high level of just your observations of what's what's going on on, I suppose, a psychology level. Like I say, the Alaman to set the scene, if people are listening to this, not, not necessarily the, the day, it's, day it's made. We're kind of going into lockdown. We've been asked to very much limit our, our, our travel, work from home. I guess it's one walk a day type of mentality. Just how that plays on people's psyche who've you know, lived their life with freedom to do anything they want. Yeah, I mean, it seemed inevitable, really, didn't it? We we seem to be sort of a day behind what what's happening in the UK. So, I think a lot of people guessed we were going to come to lockdown today. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, it's 
it's totally unprecedented this situation you know n none of us have experienced anything like this before the the kind of the pace of change has been rapid and you know we've seen sort of new measures being introduced pretty much on a on a daily basis over this last week or so and kind of in effect this is a massive sort of stress test for all of us um, yeah. a lot of a lot of uncertainty around um, kind of around people's health the health of their loved ones obviously with the virus um, and and people's livelihoods too have been threatened so their ability to pay the rent or mortgage, um, their savings have devalued, their pensions have devalued. And on top of that, we, we've got this social isolation element to contend with now as well. So yeah, it's, it's a, kind of a massive stress test, a pressure environment. And as we know from the sporting context, some, some people cope, cope with pressure and respond better to pressure than, than others. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so maybe look, looking at some of the primary f f factors going on or, or, or primary points to, to pick up, maybe we first look at fear and there's this fear of perhaps shortage of food, uh, fear of danger, fear of... Uh, I suppose, well, definitely loved ones get, get getting ultimately ill or, or, or worse in that, in that respect. Where's, when we look at the psychology of fear, where does that, where does that come from? Yeah, well, we've got kind of three sort of concepts kicking about here. There's, there's stress, there's anxiety, and there's fear. And so kind of we're, we're under some sort of stress most of the time. So we're, we're balancing some type of, external demand with our own sort of individual capability to respond so stress you could say is is essentially kind of neutral really but we can we can experience it positively so we'd call that eustress okay or or negatively and we'd call that distress um but kind of the overwhelming tendency is is to consider stress as as a negative emotion so if, if we kind of leave the debate about what stress is or isn't to one side and, and then move on to look at anxiety. So anxiety is something that we, we all experience as human beings throughout our lives and because of our human freedom. You know, as, as human beings, we've got freedom to choose one option over another. Uh, in the knowledge that we, we we're never really certain of what what the outcome might be, we're never really sure if we're doing the right thing or not. And if we think about that in in the current context with the coronavirus, you know where there's massive uncertainty, then then all that is is magnified. So it's it's no surprise really that that's going to lead to to a lot of anxiety. And is that because potentially people haven't got that freedom now? So therefore, it brings that. Because I guess I always think about that anxiety might be more about the unknown of what's next, what's going to happen next, or is that part of it as well? Definitely. So, I mean, it, it, it might help just to contrast anxiety with fear then at this point. So I'd suggest that fear is, is more of a, a short-lived um, 
it's more sort of present focused and it's geared towards a specific threat. So it's like an object of fear. Um, if you like something like fear of snakes, you could say, you know, there's an object there to be fearful of. Anxiety is a bit different. It's, it's more future focused and it's, it's more broad. It's, it's kind of a vague, diffuse future threat. You know, it's often hard to verbalize what, what we're really anxious about. And again, in, in this current context, you know, the general uncertainty is, is around, you know, what's, what is tomorrow going to bring? And I'm, I'm guessing the answer isn't as simple as when you're saying here the anxiety is thinking about the unknown. It's not as simple as to say, well, don't think of the unknown. You know, don't, don't be concentrating, don't be building up this anxiety over something that is an unknown. How would you, how would you temper your thoughts to, to not think of the, the future, I guess? And bring it into something like like stress, or basically not building up this anxiety that is only going to be compounded every day when something is isn't known, isn't objectified in that sense. Well, the anxiety is around the decisions that we have to make in the context of the big unknown. So that's where the anxiety comes from. So I, I think you're probably better thinking of it more about look, looking at you and your your core values and beliefs and making decisions based on on those values and beliefs and and what what you think is is the right thing to do. But I guess that's that's also harder then because you know myself I want want to go outside and go exercise and things like that and you can see in the UK they've restricted things like that um so i guess that makes that choice or restriction of what you see your beliefs are over something you can't control yeah so i mean there's there's a restriction um but that you still have a choice of whether you are going to exercise or not so you still have choices to to put in something different in place rather than your 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 usual form of exercise you know that is a choice so perhaps looking at those three kind of factors there when you maybe starting with anxiety if that's something that's felt by people at this time what i guess trying to pull out out of that people should be then focused on looking at you mentioned about core values there but then sort of taking let's call it the freedom of choice back to go yes my, my choices are now limited i can't go out so much i can't see friends so much but take back control of this situation by and filling in whether it's you know facetiming people you know finding exercises in-house attending online courses and, and taking some of that control back to try and reduce that anxiety yeah it's find those alternatives Definitely, yeah, yeah, and we can we can go on to talk about routines later on, if you like, and and how we might be able to introduce control through them. Okay, interesting. So then, then the fear being, I suppose, again, just to go back to those points, fear you mentioned there being a sort of short-lived, immediate thing. Is that, I guess, generally people who have that, and I suppose it's on many levels, from the fear of what fear of illness to the fear of losing their job, uh, to unemployment, to not paying the rent, kind uh, of. How do how how do, how would people try and manage that if if that's even possible? 
Well, uh, again, you know, there might be a realistic fear of of somebody losing their job. Yeah, so so yeah. you know, you, you might genuinely feel that you're at risk of of losing your job. That's that's a rational fear. Yeah. Then, if we start thinking about freedom of choice, then and control, what what can I control? What can I choose to do to put myself in in the best position possible? You know, we we can't necessarily control all the external factors, but I would contend that we can always do something to make our situation a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that makes sense. Uh, and then the stress side of those three points. And uh, again, I suppose every person's different in their stress levels and how they deal with it. Uh, again, a stressful environment. Any sort of tips for people to try and, you know, manage that in situations like this? I, I mean, stress gets a bad rap, really. You, you know, it's, um, you know, it's like a bad stepmom. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we all live with stress all the time, um, and, and stress doesn't—it doesn't have to be—it doesn't have to be bad. You know, we we all have stressful jobs, um, but but we choose that stress, don't we? So it's it, it, again, it's just taking control of the little things. I, I would say, and, yeah. and make, making those choices on your terms. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And just to go back to the fear point, something I was reading about was kind of rational and irrational fear, and I guess. There's a there's a in, in high stress situations such as this that it's it's important to try and distinguish I guess between those two when you when you've got decisions to make or, or there's a fear there of is this rational or is this is this irrational because I guess you deal with them slightly differently. Yeah, I, I guess you, your perceptions can get altered by by things that are going on around you. So so maybe you're you're perceiving things that that aren't actually there as a result of all these external factors yeah. that we said are moving so fast um, so so it's important really to drill down into is is it a real a real fear what is that fear of and then the next step is what can i do then um what can i do to improve the situation in respect of that fear what what one action can i take um, that would improve my situation. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess that applies not only in life and business, in because again, people out there, you know, firms out there, self-employed people, they're going through that that process and that those fears and they're rational and I wouldn't say they're irrational, but they I guess there's different levels of that, and it's just break trying to break them, almost kind of stepping back from the situation, trying to break them down uh, to to see what's rational and irrational, and then trying to where it's rational trying to you know go back to i suppose finding small solutions to to try and minimize that situation i guess yeah just you know so so maybe if you if you do have a a, a fear of of you're going to lose your job and lose your income and then you're worried about paying your rent then you know one step you could do is to um contact the you know, there's the social security office and ask them about the different allowances that are available. You know, straight away, you're doing something tangible to help deal with with your fear. Yeah. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So then uh, maybe moving on a little bit, there's this, and it's obviously generally a hot topic, and, and last week on the podcast, we had Adam from Reach and, and mental mental well-being's a, 
a big subject at the moment, or well, yeah, at the moment, especially as although it always should be, the stress and anxiety and the fear that's going around is going to put people in that, uh, or certainly apply some mental health questions, I guess, around that. Appreciate mm-hmm. perhaps it's not specifically your area, mental health, but just. I guess dealing with the parts we've talked about in sort of the first 10 minutes here will help that mental well-being. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can give my take on it. And um, Please. You know, you know what? I'd think about that anxiety, that kind of normal anxiety that we all experience on a regular basis. If, if we don't confront that, if we shy away from it and maybe try and manage it away or pretend it's not there, then there's a risk that that turns into this kind of crippling, neurotic type anxiety. And I think that's perhaps where some of the the mental ill health implications arise. Now, you know, I I think there are some relatively straightforward ways to to start positively dealing with that anxiety. Um, And, you know, we can tie in with some of your other guests here, I think, as well, because... I think the first is is really to acknowledge that you're feeling anxious. Um, mm. you know, to, to label that emotion, you know, I am anxious at the moment. And then, you know, once you've you've kind of recognised it, then then you can you can normalise it. You know, it, it's it's okay to be anxious. It's it's part of part of being human. And then, you know, once once you've got to that step, then you can you can move into different areas. Then so. You, you know, you, you can you can talk to different people about it. Um, social support can be really really valuable, as you'll you know you know from speaking to Adam. Um, just knowing that that somebody else is experiencing um, similar feelings um, can can bring great comfort as well. Um, you know, obviously speaking to someone, it, it's going to be all by video chat um, at the moment, but but that's fine. Um, or you know you could look into something like mindfulness practices and um, some of the mindfulness practices that that Mike Cooley does would be would be really useful I think here helping to keep that present focus you know rather than following your anxiety off into the unknown future somewhere yeah. uh, there's also an app called Headspace that does guided meditations. I know a lot of the athletes that I've spoken to to use that, so that might be another option for people. Um, and I, you know, it's it's probably worth signposting at this point. You know, the mental health services that are available to people. Um, you know, the local GP and other NHS uh, mental health professionals locally, like you said, we've got Reach, I'll Listen, and then there's some of the national kind of charities as well. Um, Mind, Darline, the Samaritans—they all offer kind of confidential support over the phone. Yeah, very mm-hmm. much so. And we'd certainly recommend any listeners in in that situation. That's ultimately they're there for this, you know, scenarios like this. But when when those stresses and anxieties are are what they are at the moment, that's that's what they're there for. So yeah, do reach out to them because they they're there to help. They're there to help people. So moving on a little bit then to, and we kind of, the, the kind of in joke around the globe ultimately is people panic buying and buying 46 bog rolls and <laughs> six ton of pizzas and uh, pasta. I suppose I'm quite interested to know 
and not necessarily why it's bog roll because I'm still not sure I know the answer to that. <laughs> what's that? That that what's that trigger of that? Because I mean, because I know, I you know we've got a reasonable amount of toilet roll, but part of you then goes, mm, well, if we run out and everyone else has bought one, then maybe I need to buy one just to be sure. And you're kind of feeding the bigger problem of yeah, yeah. everyone buying. And just where, where where does that where does that come from? Where does that start? So yeah, it's an interesting one. This panic buying. So if we've got this uncertainty and this anxiety that we're struggling to cope with, struggling to tolerate, that we're desperate for relief from this anxiety, um, you know, that, that can lead into many different behaviours of which, you know, panic buying is one. Um, so, it, it, you know, if, if people are fearful and scared that they won't be able to get supplies to feed themselves, then you know, then going to the supermarket and hoarding goods, you know, it might seem like a perfectly rational thing to do. Spending money as well, you know, often people use that to offset their fears, to help them cope. You know, it's, it's all about coping mechanisms, this. Right. Um, and, and other activities as well, you know, increased alcohol consumption is, is often another one, um, you know, that results. But there's, there's kind of a second wave to this, um, panic buying another layer if you like because often you'll see that first wave like you said and then it gets a little bit worse and and it's it, it's due to kind of what we call it heuristic in psychology it's it's essentially a thinking shortcut if you like and um in this case it's called the scarcity bias so this thinking shortcut means that we actually place a higher value on items when they're scarce or in limited supply. Mm. So you go in and you see there's only one can of beans left or one toilet roll, then yeah, you know, that's when this really kicks off. You know, that's when you see the panic, the panic buying really take off with that, that second wave of people. And then, you know, the shelves are bare after that. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I find that with bikes as well. When there's a scarcity of them, I need to buy more, which I keep explaining to my wife. She doesn't buy it, though, unfortunately. So uh, moving on to uh, isolation, obviously that's something that everyone's ultimately going to factor in, whether, whether you're in a house with four of your family or on your own. Just the sort of psychological effects of that, I guess, you know, wouldn't quite apply to having not been to prison, to prison but is there a... Is there a comparison? I don't know. How does the mind work in those situations? Well, I mean, there is research suggesting that the risks presented by social isolation are similar in magnitude to, to things like obesity, smoking, uh, physical inactivity, those sorts of things. And and that then can sort of feed back into this depression, anxiety, and create a sort of vicious circle. Yeah, right. Um, now, that said, we're all unique, and, and some of us will deal with, with isolation um, better than others. But I think it's important to point out that, you know, we've been asked to physically distance ourselves from each other to stop the spread of the, the virus. Um, but we don't have to socially distance ourselves. Mm, so, yeah. I, you know, I would say, you know, today I was having a chat with, with the neighbour over the garden fence. You know, we were the six feet away. 
in line with government advice. So, you know, we were socially interacting fine there. Um, you know, you can meet up with people on, on Skype or FaceTime or whatever for a sort of cyber coffee, if you like. Um, I think it's really about having having empathy for others, you know, especially those who are who are vulnerable at this time and, and do need help. Yeah. You know, like I say, just because we're being asked to be physically distant, it doesn't mean we we have to be socially distant. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I've seen a lot of that as well and finding, again, coming back to the alternatives of video calls and things like that as well, adding that other element. You know, at, at work, we've got chats where, you know, we are doing video calls instead. So every day, you know, you've got chats between us all. So you, it just adds that personal per, you know that social interaction rather than what you'd, you'd expect once you sit down behind your desk of just being on a normal call all day um and trying to do it with friends and you know even even my uh my granny we gave her a phone and maybe it was a bit of a rough steep learning curve for her to work an iphone and how to do a, a video call <laughs> but you know it, it's that sort of thing so especially for you know the vulnerable that we can still stay in touch and, and see us on a on a regular basis definitely i think you know we're, we're social animals after all so mm. you know you know we we need it and I, I think with so many people working from home i'm sure a lot of managers you know their their job essentially now is going to be keeping in touch with people you know mm. much of their working day is going to be um talking to staff yeah and just to go back to the, pick up the point at the beginning there, we talk about isolation sometimes. It leads to maybe smoking, overeating, drinking, those types of activities. Why, what, what's, you know, you know, you'd like to think if the human was designed properly, if, 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 that's, if isolation is something forced upon it, it might force you to create good habits rather than bad habits. Why does it, why, why, what's going in the brain that forces those badder habits? No, it doesn't, it doesn't lead on. It can have a similar impact to those. Oh, sorry, right, okay. There's other issues, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, okay. So then when it comes to that isolation point, that's, I guess, again, for, for individuals and, and when they're in this situation is not also not necessarily waiting for other people to reach out to them as well, for them to be pushing out to talk to other people as well and don't, you know, think of it as, well, as you talk there, call it so, uh, be socially distant to people. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we just, you know, I've been out for a walk today and we've got a few elderly neighbours here and just, you know, seeing them in their front room, sitting there, just, you know, giving them a wave, checking they're all right, thumbs up. And, you know, it's it's just little things like that shows them that they're, you know, they're not on their own. Mm. Yeah. So we touched on earlier routine and how important routine is. Uh, certainly people working from home, it's different. I'm one of them. I'm working at home now. and. Uh, it's a different routine, uh, and I, th I think I think humans naturally want routine. I think most people work better at that. So, yeah, yeah how does how does the working at home find you know again? You, you read stuff about going to you know if you work from home, get out of bed, get dressed, treat the day as you work from home like a day at the office. You know, get dressed, and you know very much you know do you work have a break do you work but don't you know don't sit in your pjs uh, and do it uh, and again have that routine to walk away from the computer as well when, when you need to and, and at the end of the day as well again you know we're we're all individuals so it's about finding something that works for you but yeah i'd say routine is important 
I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit last time around athletes' pre-performance routines. So that would be something consistent and repeatable that gives them an element of control when they're in these dynamic and uncertain environments. And, you know, it's, it's the same here. We're in a dynamic and uncertain environment. And, um, you know, routines, they give you control. Yeah, okay, interesting. Uh, and, and that works wonders for your, you, you know, your confidence uh, and your well-being. And it combats those, maybe those feelings of helplessness as well. So I guess it's about putting in a routine around, I guess, normalizing this this new world that we're living in and adapting your routines around that. So now, for example, with the schools being closed, we're homeschooling, you know, two kids at the moment. You know, we've, we've tried to put in a morning routine for them that, that sort of mimics as closely as possible their sort of normal school day. I think that's, you know, really important. So, you know, other elements to think about as, as part of your routine. I'd say, again, I think I spoke about them last time. I'd call them the sort of three pillars of health. So are you eating well? You know, are you planning your meals properly? Are you getting exercise? We, we've been doing the morning PE session with um, Joe, the body coach on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah they've, they've been really good. Um, so are, are you getting exercise? Obviously, within the, the confines that we've got now. Uh, are you sleeping well? So this might lead on to something else. You know, if, if you're checking the latest sort of coronavirus news on, on social media right before you go to bed, that, that probably isn't going to be the best thing to aid your sleep. And then probably checking again first thing in the morning, that's not necessarily going to set you up well for the day ahead. So I'd say in that respect, maybe choose sources of information you can trust and then follow the news in a in a deliberate and well-chosen manner i would say interesting and also now that your home has essentially become your work i guess it's quite tough for some people to disassociate the two uh, especially people who work on their phones or uh, have a have a what is now their monitors and everything moved into one of their rooms they may be using frequently. So I guess it's quite hard for some people to take that step back and okay, if your what your work routine would be nine to five at five o'clock, putting putting the laptop away, the computer down, and and basically just forgetting about work in that sense because. I know that it can be quite hard because it, you're right next to your work environment as it were for the two to bleed together and that can lead to you know, burnout or, or something, uh, something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a challenge. Um, you know, I, I'm, I've been working from home for, for a while now. You know, I, I'm quite used to it. What I'm not used to is working from home while two kids are wrestling in the <laughs> hall, you know, the other side of the door. Um, <laughs> So that, you know, that's challenging for me, but I think you're right. If, if you can, you know, section off a room, that, that is the workspace and you've still got the home separate to that. I think that can be really valuable. I know when I started working from home, I was working at the kitchen table and it, the lines kind of got blurred then. You know, we were sitting having tea and my laptop was still out and, and 
and now I've moved and created a study, I, I find I can separate the two, you know, a, a lot easier. So yeah, that, that's definitely something that, that people can do working from home to separate their work life and their home life. So one of the, uh, oh, well, what we're just going to wrap up, wrap up with. So thanks a lot of insight there. And I think a lot of people right. find that helpful in a, in what is a crazy uh, or strange time, seems to be the most common word, strange times, odd times, peculiar times. Uh, but one of the things we were just going to cover off the end was top tips. Obviously, you've, you've kind of covered a lot of them there around routine, uh, eating healthy, I guess drinking a lot, a lot of water uh, to, you know, to keep, keep the mind working. Uh, you know, limit, limit social media to a point, you know, don't just be staring at, you know, got, you know, I say gossip, that's not a fair comment, but a thousand people's opinions on things, you know, if you, if you want to get an update on it, listen to, you know, credible news sources, take in the information and move on. Uh, and then from, from an, uh, in, in regard to watching your control and, you know, try and find a bit of, bit of time for maybe a bit of headspace app, uh, split out of the office from the from home life and the, the, those types of things and whether you've got any other particular ones that jump out uh, definitely yeah I'd, I'd say have have daily goals uh, i think that's really important um, even if that's something as simple as as cutting the grass you know you, you're getting you're getting something accomplished and that that makes you feel good and especially if you're doing something that's outside in the fresh air you know that's tick tick there yeah. Um, I'd say read if there's any books you've been meaning to read but haven't had the time you know there's there's no excuse now and um, I'd probably say as well is is to to try and play and have fun now I was, I was playing with the kids this afternoon in the garden and we you know we had a right giggle it really was good fun yeah. Um, so yeah try and integrate some fun and play into your daily routine as well yeah yeah. Okay. Interesting. And funnily enough, Matt and I are just looking at, again, we, we were talking about reading and we're kind of more audible book people, but we're just about to post out our, our, our sort of five favorite books to listen to and read. Uh, so hopefully they'll be on our, our social media sites in the uh, coming couple of days as well as the recommendations from us. Uh, so thanks for your time, Rich. It's uh, been, again, really insightful. Yeah. Thank you very much. Welcome. Guys will find it very helpful. So thanks again. It's, Thanks uh, for inviting me back. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Pleasure. It's uh, Word Out from Mom. And Word Out from Matt.